worshiping together this morning, I am so excited to be able to share with you today uh, the, the message this morning and uh, so excited to be able to kick off a brand new year with you. Happy New Year! 2016 is gone, 2017 is here, and, and with it, there comes all sorts of anticipations. One of the things I'm actually looking forward to, uh, he's, you'll you see information uh, about this in the bulletin. We didn't really have a chance to, to touch on it, but I want to go ahead and touch on it. Um, this week, actually today, um, we have an intern that's going to be arriving. Noah Travis will be with us for the next 14 weeks. I've had the privilege to be able to watch Noah for the last two years as he's been a part of a, a Kingswood University ministry team, and we've had the privilege to work with him at the Wisconsin District Wesleyan Youth Camp, and Noah is going to be serving here uh, his internship for, for 14 weeks. He's going to be spending some time with us, so get to know him. He is a stellar dude. Uh, you're going to love him. I love him. I'm so thankful that uh, we have the opportunity to be able to, in this brand new year, invest in kingdom work that is going to last beyond uh, this year. I love the sentiment of the, the song that we started out uh, with here the, this morning. Uh, the, the song is called This Year uh, by J.J. Heller. And uh, actually, Judy came to me a couple of weeks ago, and she's like, hey, I found this video, and I'm not sure if you can do anything with it, but it's kind of New Year's-y, and I don't know if you want to take a look at it or whatever. And I watched, and instantly I gravitated towards uh, the language that was used within, within the song, that, that uh, this, this idea that you know every year we kind of come to this place when we consider a new year, and, uh, and we come to it with all sorts of different emotions and thoughts and expectations. Um, but, but there's also that, that thing where we, we, we make the agreement to, to adopt the language of we, that it's not about, about me or mine or I anymore, but it's, it's about us and we and, and, uh, and all the hope that a new year uh, brings as one chapter closes and we enter into another. And, and this type of optimism we all kind of carry with us into the new year. We think like this is the one time of the year where like it's appropriate to change or it's appropriate to do something new. Uh, newsflash, you can change any time during the year. But anyway, uh, but during this time of year, um, generally speaking, actually there was a study done on this a couple of years ago, um, but January is the, the highest membership rate for any type of like gym or health club or anything like that. Like January is like the time that everybody gets into a new program. It's, uh, it's time when people make resolutions to join gyms, to eat better, to, to laugh harder, to invest in healthier relationships, maybe to spend time or money a little bit more wisely. And typically, we enter New Year's as these optimistic seekers of life under new direction. But then we get to the end of the year. And I don't know how many of you are like floating around social media, like everybody's like, can we just get to the end of 2016? Can we just get there? And, uh, and, and, and what's, what's really funny is that, you know, we're, we're kind of all asking the same question of like, what's next? Like, when is the other shoe going to drop? When is something else going to, to happen? Uh, you know, it's one of the, the kind of amusing things that I saw coming down to the end of, of 2016 was there is a, uh, there's a, a website called GoFundMe where you can start a, a capital campaign and raise money for different, you know, events and activities and stuff like that. There was a GoFundMe page that was started to protect Betty White as a national treasure to make sure that she made it into 2017. We go through like all sorts of like, like extravagant and ridiculous things 
to, to kind of secure, like, to secure a future and a, and a hope. And, 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 and sometimes, we, sometimes we approach the end of the year from a diff, much different perspective and a much different vantage point than we start a year out with. And while sometimes we look back with regrets, sometimes depends. There's kind of this emptiness of unmet expectations. Have you ever had an expectation that was not met? Like you've been a kid at Christmas time. Of course you've had expectations that haven't been met before. We've all experienced this where we set up these expectations for ourselves or maybe we had other people set up expectations for us. Unmet goals, unreached achievements, that sting and that reminder of failure. And if you've ever experienced any one of those like err moments in your life, you're actually in a really, really good place this morning. Now, now hear me out. This is, this is actually good news. Um, the, the God that has created you and I has created you and I actually for greater things. He, he did this because ultimately uh, he's created to us to enjoy him forever. That he, the author and the perfecter of life and all that is good, has called us into relationship with him. And so, of course, when we fail at things and when, when there's that frustration of unmet expectation, there's something in the very depths of our soul that kind of goes, Err, there's something more. There's so much more. So, but what do we do with that? How, how do we deal with figuring out what's next? And how do we take steps to get there without failure. This morning, we are actually going to be diving back into a conversation that we started uh, a couple of months ago. We are, uh, we are looking at the unstoppable movement of God in and through his early church. Fortunately for us here today, 2,000 years after the fact, we have this meticulous account, this meticulously researched account that was written by a highly educated author and is regarded one of the, the best forms of Greek literature that we have in our world today, of all literature that we have historically. And, uh, and uh, in this, we see this big what's next moment for the, the church. Jesus has instituted this thing. He gathered followers, followers around him, talked about the kingdom of God, and then he set them loose, and he put his Holy Spirit in them, and he said, okay, now you go and make disciples of all nations and, and teach them and baptize them, and it's in your hands and there are these like there are these several of these moments where the disciples are like, uh, what do we do with this thing now? And in this particular moment that we're going to be looking at, it deals with just that. It's actually a conversation between two people. And we're going to check this out together. We're going to be in Acts chapter 8, starting in verse 26 and going to verse 40. If you'll pardon me a second, the the plague has been ravaging our household. And when I say plague, I mean it's a cold and I'm a man and I have a cold, which means that I'm going to die. So if it happens, I hope you have a great year. <laughs> We're going to be looking, this is going to be on 890 in the, in the uh, Bible in the pew in front of you, Acts chapter 8, starting in verse 6. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road. The desert road. Isn't it great that we can laugh at ourselves? I'm sorry. I just have to. I just have to to say that. Like it's it's great that we can take time and 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 acknowledge that God has put humor in us. 
Uh, and and th- there's actually kind of a funny moment in, in this part here, and I love that this stuff is in the Bible too. Uh, now, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasuries of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. The man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way back home, he was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to the chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip said. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. The eunuch was reading this passage of scripture. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before the shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with this very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As he traveled along the road, they came, as they traveled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, here's water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. I think it's funny that we have an account of teleportation in the Bible. I've always wondered, like, was it just that, like, the eunuch wasn't paying attention and Philip just ran off or, like, what? You know, what a moment to like run off. Like, this is a great moment. Let's celebrate this thing together. Happy New Year. Happy New Life. You know, your life under different terms here. And bam, gone. Like, he's, he's just out of there. But we have this in this account. We have, we have the account of a seeker and a sojourner as they discuss the scripture on the road. And this isn't a chance meeting by any stretch of the imagination And God uses undesirable circumstances to change the course of one man's life. And from what we've seen from some historians and some scholars, they believe that this actually impacted an entire culture with the gospel. We're going to be looking at, in your outline, in in your bulletin, at uh, point number one, the seeker and the sojourner. We're going to be starting by looking at Philip. Philip is the sojourner. A sojourner is one whose stay is temporary. A sojourner is one whose stay is temporary. This is not a final destination. This is not a permanent residence. This is not all there is. There's something beyond that that you are traveling to as a sojourner. I think one of the most important things that we can, that, that's one of the most important implications of the Christian life is that our stay here on this earth is temporary. That we take up temporary residence where we are. We are dual citizens 
in this world, as Christians, we are first citizens of the kingdom of heaven, and then we are citizens of whatever nation after, after that. And so there's, there's this kind of perspective thing as a sojourner, as a Christian, where there are things that happen all around us. There are circumstances that we will encounter that are unpleasant things, but they are passing things because we are passing through. We are passing through this place, and as we do so, we pass through with Christ, leaving the impact of Christ along with us as we go. Thing number one that we know about Philip as a sojourner, he was scattered from Jerusalem because of persecution. A couple of weeks ago, Pastor Mark shared a little bit about uh, what was going on here, and actually uh, he and I both kind of shared a couple of pieces of scripture of the the starting point of of the persecution of the early church. When Jesus left the the church, they stayed in Jerusalem and they prayed, and and God uh, sent his Holy Spirit on them, and and they started to kind of spread out a little bit, but but then there was this persecution that took place, and there was this this really zealous religious dude named Saul that said, we're not going to have anything to do with this Jesus movement. And so we got letters of authority to go around to houses and, and, and hunt Christians down. And, th- and this persecution actually spread the church all over the map. And so, and so this thing, this, this circumstance that could have been this really destructive and really intended, uh, it was intended for evil, but it, this, this circumstance actually, actually caused the church to explode outwards and it changed things. You know, God may allow circumstances to move into our lives. And God may move us into circumstances, but he will always lead you through them. He may lead you into circumstances, but he will always lead you through them. And I know it's easy to stand up here and say that, but when you're in the middle of something, when you're in the middle of a mess, remember that the same Jesus who spoke to storms and rebuked them is the same Jesus that walks right with you in your mess. He's not afraid of the mess. He'll bring you through it. He was there with Philip as he was scattered. And so Philip, number two, he preaches and he ministers in Samaria. He, he ministers in, in Samaria and then in Caesarea. He, he is taking, he, he is unchanged no matter what place you put him in, whatever geographic location he kind of pops up in, he's preaching and he's teaching and he's ministering to people. Uh, a couple of years ago, actually when I first started out in ministry, I, uh, I was tasked with with. Uh, creating a youth ministry at a church. There was nothing that was in existence there. And, uh, and so I'd started building this youth ministry and I thought it would be great to do this, this big event and have this you know, big games night thing. And I remember showing up and I was a little bit disheartened because we had like two students that showed up that night. And there was part of me that like internally, I was like, oh man, this kind of stinks. What have I gotten myself into? And I was talking to uh, a friend that evening who was a, a youth pastor. And we had a great time that night. It was an awesome night. Um, but uh, I was talking to a friend that, was, that used to be a youth pastor. And, uh, and he said, you know, he said, I remember early on in my ministry that there were expectations that I had of the way that things ought to have been and the numbers and the scale. And, and I remember this one particular event where I had one kid show up and I spent the entire night staring out the door. Like that kid never showed up again. 
He's like, Damien, if there's, if there's one thing I can tell you, he's like, where you are, be all there. If you are someplace, make sure that you're present, you're open, whatever God wants to do, whether it's with one student or a hundred student or a thousand, you do what the, the thing that God has put in front of you to do. The thing that God has equipped you to do, you do that thing. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who shows up. You be faithful to who God has created you to be. So that begs the question for each of us. What has God equipped you for? Who has God created you to be? And if you don't know, that's okay. We have this great thing that's coming up that's called the Network Seminar. And, 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 I, and I don't say that as, a, as like a shameless plug. I say that honestly, like search it out. Search out what the, the way that God has created. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. He has placed in you gifts and talents and abilities and they are all for the, the purpose of, of building his kingdom, of building the church and building each other up. And it's a beautiful thing when you find that sweet spot. Where, where you are living in that place of gifting and passion and, and personality that God has created you for. And, and, and for Philip, this is where Philip finds himself. I'm in Jerusalem, I'm preaching. I'm in Samaria, I'm preaching. I'm in Caesarea, I'm preaching. Yeah, where you are, be all there. Number three, God directs him incrementally. How many of you have ever wished that God would just reveal all of the plans of all of eternity to you? And you're like, God, if you would just tell me like what's next, like that would be the best thing ever. Any, <laughs> yeah, just, just a handful of you want to admit that today. I totally admit that. And then I realized that, you know, I probably wouldn't believe him if he told me. Uh, and then I would also say, God, I have a better idea and I don't have better ideas. <laughs> I just think that I do sometimes. For, for Philip, it, was, it started out at this point where, he, where, where God says, go to the road. Doesn't tell him what direction to take the road. He just says, go to the road, the one that goes south, you know, go to that road. And so Philip goes to the road and he goes to the road. And God says, see that chariot over there? Go, stay by that. So he goes and he stays by it. And then out of that, this conversation comes up. You know, this is, this is really where, where faith kicks in. This is, this is where, where, where when, we, when we look at the unknown and we look at the things that we don't fully grasp and, and we may not have a full scope of God's plan, this is where we have to remember the definition of faith from Hebrews 11.1, 1, that uh, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. We may not fully see the plan of God, but he has them and you are a part of it and he wants to use you in it. For Philip, he was driven away by circumstances. He was moved by faith and he acted in obedience. He was driven away from Jerusalem. He was driven away from the comfort of what was familiar. And he was moved by faith. He said, okay, God, how do you want to use me in the midst of this? And then he acted on it. It wasn't, okay, God, you know, are you sure I shouldn't just go back to the, the road to Jerusalem? I shouldn't just go back to Jerusalem? Are they okay? No. So then we get to, to letter B, the, the Ethiopian eunuch or the seeker. A seeker is one who is searching for something. 
And we all have a little bit of seeker and sojourner in us. We're, we're all looking for things. And, and we're, we're all kind of passing through different circumstances. And there's a lot about this guy that we don't know. We don't get a lot of details ab- about who this, this guy is. We don't know his name. We don't know whether he was, actually a, he was an actual eunuch or that was just simply a eunuch by title. We don't know if he was in Jerusalem during Pentecost when, when the, the believers started, started preaching and teaching in different languages. Uh, we don't know which Ethiopia he was from. Fun historical fact that during that time there were, there were actually two Ethiopias. One was um, just in the southern part of the Nile. The other was in Arabia somewhere. Um, we're not really sure which one he was from. But what we do know are, are these couple of things. We know, one, that he had influence. We know that he had influence, that he was a royal official. He, he was an important official. We know that, number two, he was entrusted with incredible responsibilities, that he was in charge of, of these, the, these treasuries of, of royalty, We also know, number three, that he had a spiritual longing. He had a spiritual longing. He was a a practitioner of Jewish worship. He had gone to Jerusalem to worship. And he was dedicated to his search for God. He traveled and he studied and he asked questions. But ultimately, number four, he was stuck. He was in a place where he was stuck. See, Jewish tradition only got him so far. There was only so much that he could participate in, in the, the temple worship in. There were only so many, so there was only so much, so close that he could get to the worship. He was stuck. You know, sometimes in our seeking, we get stuck too. Sometimes in our traveling, We run up against things in our circumstances. We run up against things that we don't know and we're stuck. Just don't know what to do. And for the eunuch, he was driven by curiosity. He was empowered by opportunity. And he was moved into discipleship. And the two meet over a scripture. And it's vital for us as seekers and sojourners, regardless of our circumstances, that we look at Christ as our example first. And there's this, this piece of scripture from Isaiah 53 that, uh, that, they, that they end up having this conversation over. They, he, it says that he was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before the shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from this earth. This is a part of a greater passage that talks about the the stuff that Jesus would choose to endure for you and I. And and, and Isaiah says things like the, the, the punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And that by his wounds that we are healed. You know, one of, the, one of the things about Jesus that I have a hard time wrapping my mind around, and I love this about him, he didn't cheat at the human experience. He, he didn't cheat at it. He, he experienced everything that you and I 
on an elemental level. He experienced everything that you and I would have to endure. He made himself known to us. He experienced pain and rejection and injustice. And he gave us a way to know God. Not just know about him, but know him intimately and know that we are known by him as well. In Hebrews chapter four, it says, says, therefore, since we have a great high priest or an intermediary between us and God who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith that we possess, possess, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who is tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we can receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. The eunuch was stuck and he was looking to religion and Philip introduced him to Jesus. Because the example of Jesus, the wonderful thing about that passage in Isaiah, he chose to endure all of those things so that we could find peace with God, so that we could get unstuck. And he did it in the most unlikely ways. He walked with common people. He ate at the tables of rejects. He called sinners and tax collectors to his side. And he said, come and follow me and go sin no more. What an amazing, amazing opportunity and an amazing call from Christ to us. And ultimately in the story, in the context of the story, to this man who was searching and seeking and wasn't quite sure what the next step was. He didn't know what was next. And there are four questions that come out of, uh, that, that, are, that are a part of this, this conversation. And I don't know where this happened, but some, somewhere along the lines for all of us, we, we, we kind of found ourselves in a place where like, Asking questions was discouraged, especially when it came to asking questions about faith. I know that my faith has been enriched by asking questions, that God has, God has, has taken those big, ugly questions that we all have and, and, that he's, and he has enhanced my faith because of asking those questions and seeking out the answers. So question number one, and these are all questions that, that are within the context of the, the conversation uh, that, that's happening. Philip asks, do you understand what you're reading? In other words, do you know the heart of God? Do you really know the heart of God? Do you understand the, th the thing that you're reading? Are you, are you digging into this thing that you're reading to understand the heart of God? Because that's what, this, that's what you will find in here. You will find the heart of God. Am I seeking to understand him? Am I seeking to know him more? The eunuch admits, how can I understand unless someone explains it to me? How, how can I know unless... Unless there's, there's someone to teach me, unless there's someone to explain this to me, am I seeking to know God more? 
Then he says, please tell me who is the prophet talking about himself or someone else. He's wanting to get in deeper. He's wanting to know this Jesus. He's wanting discipleship. Am I being discipled? Am I discipling? And am I discipling others? Am I being discipled? Am I discipling others? Am I in discipleship relationships? What I mean by that is, am I in relationships that are are pointing me towards Christ and encourage me and, and encouraging me and spurring me on towards Christ likeness? And am I doing that for other people as well? I actually think it's really good that like we're talking about this in a service where we have everybody together. Because guess what? Everybody in this room, if you are a part of the Eau Claire Wesleyan Church, I want you to look to your left and look to your right. All around you are opportunities to be discipled and to be discipling. And that doesn't always mean a formal relationship. But what it does mean is that we are seeking Christ together. It's that agenda harmony thing that we have talked about and we will talk about until you're sick of it and we'll talk about it some more until it happens. And then we'll talk about it even more. (laughs) So we remember. But we have an opportunity together. It doesn't matter whether you're eight or 80 or anywhere in the in-between. An eight-year-old can learn from an 18-year-old that can learn from an 80-year-old about Jesus just as much as an 80-year-old can learn from an 18-year-old that can learn from an eight-year-old. We need each other. We need each other. We need, especially as Christians, to be spurring each other on, sharpening one another towards Christ's likeness. The next question is, am I I obedient and accountable? After this conversation, the eunuch looks to Philip and says, look, here's water. What's standing in the way of my being baptized? There's this spiritual step of obedience that he says, okay, now that I know this, I know what I need to do with this. You know, sometimes we kind of, we kind of get stuck in awareness. Like we, we get like all of this knowledge and all of this understanding. And we're like, okay, I am really aware now and that's good. And then there are other people that are like, let's just do this thing. But there's this relationship. We need to understand the relationship between awareness, action, and accountability because the three really go hand in hand. You see, awareness sparks interest, but, but information is useless if it's unapplied. You know, we, we become aware through the search. And action can be destructive if it's misguided without wisdom. And we become mature through the journey. Accountability is what ties action and awareness together. There's this, this confession thing that happens. We're accountable to God. When, when, we're in this, when we're in the Christian life together, when we're walking together, we're accountable to God to know Him, to follow Him, to trust Him. We're accountable to Scripture to get to know His plan uh, and, and to get to know this together. And, and there's accountability uh, with, with each other. It's, we're, we're better when we're doing this thing together. We're better when we're at this thing together. Nobody, 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 nobody is a lone wolf in faith. We need each other. We need community for it to be done right. So what do we do with this? Where do we go from here? You know, in this next year, there are all sorts of opportunities that are ahead of us. 
And there are a couple of things to, to consider. Do, do I move without having all of the pieces in place? Like, am I scared to dive both feet into something if I don't have it all figured out or if I'm not in control of it? Do I hold myself back from commitments out of fear? Am I afraid of failure? Am I afraid of imperfection? Am I scared of the unknown? Remember, God is always willing to move us beyond where we are. But often it begins with steps of obedience to the movement of the Holy Spirit. For Philip, it was one step at a time. For the eunuch, it was seeking out answers and then acting on the information that he had. So what's next? In 2017, for you, for us as the Eau Claire Wesleyan Church, what's next? What's right in front of you? What's the next thing that you need to do? There are five areas that we're going to close out on here, and then I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. As, as you consider this brand new year, and you consider the, the what's next question in, in your life, and, and, and even collectively as, as the Eau Claire Wesleyan Church, are there spiritual steps that you need to take this year? Maybe they're, they're not giant things. Maybe they're incremental things. Maybe, maybe you are at a point where you're like, you know what, I've, I've been coming or I've been hearing of this Jesus stuff. I need to just pull the trigger and, and dive into this thing and figure it out. Maybe it's baptism. Maybe you've become a Christian and you're like, you know what, I, you know, we're talking about, we talked about this this morning. I, I, know, I know about baptism. I know it's a thing. I don't know, maybe know much about it, but maybe baptism is the next spiritual step for you. Maybe it's being in a discipleship relationship. Maybe you need to approach somebody who, whose faith you admire and say, hey, you know what, I don't know how you got there, but I want that. That thing, whatever that is, I want that. Maybe there's a, there's a step of, of, for you to gain ministry momentum. Maybe there's a, it's, it's gifts discovery. Maybe it's being a part of the network seminar where you're like, I know I've been a Christian, but I don't know what I do with this now. Maybe there's, there's a, a personal evangelism relationship. Maybe there's somebody in your life that you may be the only picture of Jesus they get and you need to be actively sharing in that capacity. Maybe you need to be the one pursuing a discipleship relationship with someone else where you are discipling them. Maybe there's some personal life things. Maybe there's some relationships that you need to invest in. Maybe there are bridges that you need to build at, at work or in, a, in your neighborhood. Maybe there's some decisions about a financial future. Maybe God is prompting you in, in 2017 that this is gonna be the year that you're generous Maybe this is a year that you become a percentage tither. Maybe this is a year that you see that need and you're a part of, of meeting a need. Maybe, you're, maybe this, this year for you is, you know what, I'm gonna start making wise financial decisions. I'm gonna start making a budget and I'm gonna stick to a budget. Maybe it's I'm gonna start saving this year so that I can be generous in the future. And maybe this year is a, a year of real restoration for you. Maybe there are issues that you're stuck on 
in relationships. Maybe there's some things in your past that you haven't dealt with. And God is inviting you to say, God is inviting you saying, come to me, all who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. This by no, by no means is an exhaustive list of questions. This is just to get you started. And I'm gonna invite the worship team up and we're gonna close with a, a song. We've done it once in the second service. It's, uh, it's called Jesus I Come. And this is a declaration of intent. This is a, a declaration of, of God I am recognizing that in the midst of circumstances, in the midst of a new year. I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I know that you're with me, or at least I know that's what you promised. And so God, I don't know what you want to do, but I'm going to trust you in this. this I want you to join with us in the song. Would you stand, would you stand if we, as, as we sing this?